So, hello and welcome to those Vicar Blokes. I'm Howell, the nerdy vicar. And I'm Dave Coaches. So, Dave, you been up to anything fun this week? Oh, wow. It says on the bio, doesn't it, that I'm a Bristol Rovers fan. You wrote it, not me. Yeah. Um, I think that's what defines me. Yeah. But I did go to see the Rovers last Saturday and they did win 4-1. All right. And that's unusual and exciting and good. So I enjoyed that. Is it painful being a Rovers fan? Oh, um, when I work it out over the years, we're in a similar league position now as we were to when I started. So in between, (laughs) there have been highs and there have been lows. And if we're in the same position as where we started, they must be pretty well balanced. So it's an emotional roller coaster being a dedicated football fan of a mediocre side. Yeah, so we're like people who support Cardiff City and things like that. They did get into the Premiership at one point. Yeah, though. they did. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, but no. they'd be a pointless answer on pointless, wouldn't they? What? Yeah, teams that have played in the top flight of English football. Yeah, they would be. Cardiff yeah. would be pointless. Swansea because, probably would as well. Yeah, they were up for a few years though. Yeah, they weren't. They, they, yeah. Because if you like football, you support Swansea. If you like fighting, you support Cardiff. Is that's that what, right? Well, that's what we used it's to say in Aberdeen. Way, is it? Well, it was in Aberdeen to be right. fair, but. Uh, we were, I don't, you know, not into football. So we're I don't more know. geographical in Bristol. Yeah. If you're the wrong side of the River Avon, you're a City fan. If you live on the good side of the River Avon, you're a Rovers fan. Is it like that, is it? Oh, it's like Manchester. Historically, it's a bit mixed now. Yeah. Because City have been two seasons higher than us for a long time. <laughs> so, it, you know, people out in Yate are confused what side of the river they live on. Oh, people are, all right. Okay, yeah. yeah I see what you mean. So, anything else then you've been up to this weekend? Yeah, I... I did school assemblies. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, and something happened to me for the first time yesterday, uh, on Wednesday at school assembly. <laughs> yeah. A child fell asleep <laughs> while I was leading the assembly. Now, that's not now, good. That's not it's good. Not good. Now, I've not been good. into care rooms and people in the care rooms have fallen asleep. <laughs> I've had that as well, for yeah. the first time ever, a child dozed off during the assembly. I've never And I saw the teachers on the opposite side of the hall sort of pointing for the teacher to, to look at this child. And they, and they were looking from the back, going, what? Because they thought they were talking. And, and when I looked, they, they so were So what was all, the assembly were, about? Um, it was about what we're worth. Oh, right. Value. I had, like, pictures of various things, and it was like the price is right, basically, for the first bit. Oh, and right. And then I had yeah. a picture of Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they all get... <sighs> Oh, yeah, yeah they're oh, worth right, loads. Yeah. And then I had a picture of a generic family and asked who was worth more. Oh, the two footballers of the generic family. Oh. Um, and and then basically told them we were all worth the same because God views us all equally. Ah. And, uh, and that's the way that we should be. That's made me think now. But that child missed that. Cause well, yeah. Well, what it was, is Bill, like, I wouldn't be too discouraged, mate, because there's a wonderful story. We had it in evening prayer the other day of um, where Paul is talking in the book of Acts for so long that this bloke falls asleep in the window and then falls out yeah, yeah, and bangs true. his head, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, it was funny, yeah. though, because the staff were like, oh, well, she's in reception and it's their first full week. And, you know, <laughs> so you think, all right, fair <laughs> enough. You know, it's like, We've reached we've reached Wednesday. She's been in for the week. Yeah, you know. I suppose. But, and, uh, yeah, I, I've spent most of my week watching rugby. That's why I watched uh, much of the marvellous yeah. Mrs. Maisel. So I've been... But this the World Cup's on, the proper World Cup, not like the other World Cup. Yeah. Uh, have Wales ever won that? 
what the, the, prop- wor- the World Cup, yeah. the Rugby World Cup. Yeah. No, we've, best we've ever done is third. Ah, England won it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Two thousand and three. Two thousand three. I remember yeah, it well because I watched the final. Oh. Um, sat on the bed in my bedroom with. Um, Josh, who's just turned 20, oh, yeah. sat next to me, well, led next to me. Yeah. He was like three, four weeks old. And, and, and as the ball crossed over the bar, you know, yeah. to win the game, I got rather excited, um, which meant that he spent the next 20 minutes crying because <laughs> he was too young to appreciate what he was present for. Well, the I was, history being made. Yeah, I was gutted about, about, uh, well, Wales have beaten Fiji so far. And uh, we beat uh, Australia forty points to six, which is well, amazing. Good, yeah, yeah. That's I was. A good victory, that. But the worst thing, yeah, the worst thing was with it though is I've got an accum- I had an accumulator, you know, with betting. Yeah, right? yeah. So I bet on Wales winning against Fiji. So I had some winnings from that, and then I put it on Australia winning the group. Oh dear! Which in any other year would be a near certainty. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. But now because we've beaten Australia so much. They're, they're actually going home, Australia. But I should have looked into it a bit more and realised that Eddie Jones was managing them, and I hate him so much. So it, it's such a nightmare. So yeah, he, he's he, just you can't no, no, blame he, the manager for the team underperforming. You can't if it's Eddie Jones. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Eddie Jones is the worst, right? Yeah. He's the most hated man in world rugby. When they put him up on the screen, right, everybody boos him. Like, right. literally, everyone hates him, right? Yeah. And, you know, I, that's the hardest thing with Christianity. You have to love your enemies, including Eddie Jones. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So I'm working on that. But in the first four minutes, Wales scored a try, right? So I was watching it with my wife. And she said, yeah, and all that. And I went, oh, no. And she said, what do you mean, oh, no? We've just scored. I'm like, yeah, but what about my bet? Yeah. So all well, week now, everyone's been going, oh, what about my bet? Yeah, well, I'd never bet against the Rovers, no matter how bad form they were in season. Well, I wasn't really done. betting against Wales. Yeah, you had, though, not you? I had, though, but yeah. I was getting. So what are we on about on this episode then, Dave? Um, we are talking news. We're talking Lawrence Fox to start uh, with. Yeah, um, yeah. So we talk about him and what a fool he is. Yeah, um, what a prat. Not a very nice bloke. Yeah, what a um, prat. We talk about the restoration and rebuilding of um, Israel following the exile. And then we talk about the marvellous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, which yeah. is really good. I like that. And thanks to the person who um, recommended that. If you have some recommendations for us, uh, please uh, send them in. So it'll be good. So brace yourself for the music and we'll kick it off. So, and Dave, what's in the news this weekend? The news this week, all we've talked about him before, actually. The news this week all revolves around Lawrence Fox. Um, that's the bloke who's the. He's who is he? Tell us who he well, is. He used to be an actor, wasn't he in The Crown or something? Oh, I don't know. I don't yeah. know what he was in. I don't know that I've ever seen anything he was in. Um, but he used to be an actor. Um, he's the bloke who burned the pride flags, isn't he? He's the guy who burned the that's pride it. flags. He's the guy who embarrassed himself on question time a little while ago and he stood in the 
in Boris Johnson's old seat in the latest by election and got yeah, that's him. lost his deposit because he didn't get enough votes. Yeah, that's him. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, he runs a political party called the Reclaim Party. Is that is that the, the is that UKIP thing that do, No, no, no another one. That's reform. Reform. Right. Now he's reclaimed. So it's right. yet another um one of these sorts another of, of those political parties that um only really has one agenda. Right. So what's uh, what's he been in the news for then? Um he was in the news because so he was on Dan Wooten's show on GBBs. Yeah. Well, what's the proper name for GBBs now? GB News. GB, GB News. News. Right, yeah. So he was on Dan Wooten's show and he was ranting about um, another journalist, a female journalist. Um, and he basically, his whole rant was about the fact that he didn't want to sleep with her anyway. Oh, nice. Which was, nice bloke. Which was completely irrelevant to the to what she'd talked about. Uh, That's just so stupid. And I was interesting, though, because she'd been on a show saying that she didn't think that we needed a minister for men as a as a government position. Oh, that's an old one, that is. Um, yeah, it is it's yeah, been about yeah, for a long yeah. time. But basically, she didn't consider we needed a minister for men because men always hold the upper hand on everything. And <laughs> okay. just because there's a minister for women doesn't mean that we need a minister for men. What she failed to look at was the fact that um, sadly, suicide is the biggest killer of men under 45. And the remit of the Minister for Men is to work out why that is and what on earth's going wrong. So, so I don't agree with her. Um, but then to bring that down to the fact of, uh, well, her view's not important because I don't want to sleep with her. It's a little bit childish and well it's actually really destructive though yeah because the thing is now is nobody's actually talking about a real issue no what they're talking about is some bloke who said something horrible yeah and if you're trying to have if your agenda is well men aren't very good blah blah they don't need a a ministry for men because they're all privileged and think they can do what they want and then this guy Lawrence Fox has basically acted in the way that she says men act. Yeah, absolutely. And has just sort of shot himself and every other bloke in Britain. Yeah. So, so he's not he's not a friend of men by acting. I Have you ever actually heard anybody say that in the pub or... To invalidate somebody else's opinion because of the way that they look? Yeah. Have you ever heard someone um, say, oh, this woman said that, and so I don't care because I wouldn't sleep I with I don't her. know that I've heard it. I don't think I've heard that same thing. But what I have heard is, oh, well, their opinion doesn't matter because they're fat or because, you know. Well, women say that about other women, don't they? Well, I know, absolutely. But it's bringing things down to a level that is... It's just childish. Yeah, it's just wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think, um, you know, that that I've heard... (sighs) The only time I've heard that sort of conversation where people have been derogatory towards women in that way was probably when I was in the uh, rugby league club in university and the rugby union club would talk about that and then we would run them down because we were better than them uh, for behaving in such a pathetic way. Like, Yeah. So it's not – I don't think it's something that 
in is something that gets talked. To, Blokes well, don't talk, most ninety well, percent no, of men don't talk like that. There's in, always an idiot who does. What's most interesting is that there are very, very few people coming up to defend him. Um, interestingly, um, Colvin Robinson is refusing to to go on GBB's um, until Dan Wooden's reinstated. Um, because all he did was laugh at these comments. Um, well, yeah. But he's encouraged it's grow up, isn't it? Um, but it's a bit grow up, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and it disturbs me that if he thinks they're kingdom values, then I can perfectly understand why the Church of England didn't ordain him. Well, he's not. Yeah, he's still a deacon, apparently. So I don't know. He hasn't been priested yet. He hasn't been priested. No, I don't know when he was deaconed, though. Cause but I'm, over a year ago. I think so. Yeah. But I think what we've done here is we've fallen into the same trap. What we're doing is talking about some bloke who said something horrible. Yeah, we are. Right? Yeah. And I don't think that there's the majority of men would think that was okay. I think there would be a few idiots who do. Yeah, well, right? most yeah. people don't think it's okay. No. So, so but, now, but, but we're not talking about... But that's about... the issue, though, isn't it? Because cause there's loads of spin-off stories on this. And um, now... Some people on GB News have called for the BBC Newsnight to be investigated by Ofcom because they didn't find anybody who supported him to appear on Newsnight. Well, it's kind of hard to find so, someone to yeah, support someone so who they says... Had, so they had somebody who was from Labour and somebody who was yeah. from Conservative and and a media personality of whatever colour or flavour. Yeah. Um, yeah. And... Then all of a sudden, oh no! But there's no balance because there was nobody on the show supporting Lawrence. But Fox. what you've done, this is this happens all the time. It's another reason I don't watch the news, right? Is what we've got here is a really serious issue in our yeah. society, right? Yeah, yeah. Men, men's Men, mental health. Well, it's and, not just and, yeah. yeah, it's men's mental health, but it's more than that. You look at the stats. Well, like when I was a school governor, you look at the stats for how young men. Are, be, are performing in school. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? yeah. It's absolutely awful. And when you ask the question, why are you know boys performing so much worse than girls? What's going on here? How can we sort that out? Um, nobody knows. Nobody knows. No, no one's done any work on it. Nobody knows. It's a question that people just do not understand because no work has been done on it. Yeah, there was something that came out... So there. what we should be debating then, really, is whether or not a minister for men is going to sort that problem out or whether or not that falls under Gillian Keegan's remit of education minister. Because probably it starts with her remit. Yeah. And moves into how do we actually care for each other better as society. Yeah, but if we look at all sorts of... I, think, I, don't, I don't think really a minister for men is... I don't think this is the thing. How are we going to solve these problems? Oh, well, we a need someone. Title. That's the trouble. Well, it's well, it's not just that though. It's like it's this thing where is the government it will solve everything, but they're like God. So basically, we've got rid of God. He's rubbish. He is. What we need is a government minister that's going to solve all these problems. And I don't think a minister for men or a minister for things like that is going to do anything because it's such a broad um, actual thing actual remit yeah. that it ain't really gonna but I think what you need to do is is look at all these issues in their different departments and say these people are suffering. Yeah. How do we solve this problem? And take the kind of 
politics and all the nastiness away from it. So the narrative of, oh, men have it better than women, well, yeah, some men do. Yeah. You know, you can't have it 50% of the population is like this or or women are like that, women are like this. It's, it's a ridiculous idea, really. One thing that shocked me the other week I read, uh, which really was quite seriously disturbing, was I can't remember the exact percentage, but a high percentage of men between 18 and 29 aren't in a relationship and aren't looking for a relationship. And why does that shock you? Be- does, does that, that disturb you? Yeah, because... Why? Well, because I'm a biologist, I think. And if you think about um, the biological drive, particularly with young men, to couple up with women, or, it, it, you know, that's the, that's the fundamental human drive, isn't it? And if that drive is being overwritten by whatever is causing this... Oh, yeah, no, but I think... Do you see what I mean? Oh. Yeah, but I think there's a huge element that that um But that drive to be the, in a relationship the, the, the relationship is less important to those people at that particular time in their life because we have a narrative that there's plenty of time to settle down and, and get the time in. As long as they're having Fun yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah, and let the hearer understand what I mean. Yeah, by fun. I understand that, but no, no, no. This wasn't like, um, but it takes it wasn't it straight like back down to the Lawrence Fox level. But it wasn't about hooking up with other women and hookup culture and all that. Wasn't interested in having any sort of contact with women. So it wasn't what you're thinking, which is like, oh well, I'll just go out and yeah, well, I do yeah. what I want, yeah, and I don't really want to have a girlfriend. But these sorts of things of men are struggling with relationships. Uh, they're struggling with, you know, suicide, which is, you know, uh, I did in uh, 2015, 2016, I did eight funerals of people who died by suicide. All of them were men. Yeah. And actually, when you looked into their stories, they all kind of, it made rational sense why they, you know, it was, their lives were, Nobody took them seriously. No. And I don't like the kind of narrative of, well, the reason that we have this mental health crisis in men is because they need to sort of talk about things a bit more and they need to sort of, you know, they're blaming blokes. Yeah. So I think that's the thing. We, we, But this Lawrence Fox Yeah, guy, but that's, that's, that's a narrative that we use all the time, though, isn't it? Is that if anything happens, if anything goes wrong, then then somehow that's our our own lookout. We've done that. That's our responsibility. Yeah. So yeah. so so. I, I I do think that actually, um, we need to encourage men to talk more, because I do think that fundamentally we don't ever want to express how we feel or or what's going on in our lives to other people because there's some view that that makes us inferior takes away a bit of our masculinity. So I think there is an element of that. But I think it, it, it that is that gets overshadowed by the fact that constantly we want to blame the victims of things for being victims. Yeah, and I, I think as well is that it's it, it sometimes with, this is going into a different thing, but sometimes with uh, pastoral care, 
it's a bit one-dimensional, which is the kind of you sit in a room with a psychiatrist or, or, or a therapist or a yeah. priest or whatever, and you talk things through and then it's okay. Well, if you look at how men have improved their mental health in the past, um, there's bits of that, and that's sometimes very appropriate and a good thing, but there's a whole host of other responses um, which in the past have worked very well. So there's, like... um, there's a memorial in the um, National Arboretum, right, which was about uh, a group of men who got together to deal with what we now call PTSD after the yeah. Second World War, right? And my old lay reader was part of it, right? Because he was part yeah. of doing that. And they said that they would overcome the pain of war through comradeship. So what they would do, they would get a bunch of blokes who were struggling after the war together, yeah. and they'd go for a walk in the, in, in the Peak District together. And they would talk, or they would come to terms with what's happened to them, through what they understood as comradeship yeah. with other men, right? That doesn't exist anymore. Do you see what I mean? But I think it's the only place that existed, hasn't it? What? Well, isn't that part of the reason why... There's a whole element of things that we do that that you might put under the bracket of hobbies or lifestyles like such as four blokes going to play golf yeah yeah that's right yeah. but you're not only playing golf are you you're no. chatting to your mates you're mm. having a drink in the bar afterwards you are actually interacting with people of a like mind that if your relationship is close enough you might be able to share things where it breaks down is if you don't feel able to share with those people because you're worried about their response to you that's a trust thing. So, so where it mm. works when it's set up knowing that that's one of the objectives, yeah. yeah, then that works great. When it's not an objective and it just happens as a as a byproduct, that's also great. But sometimes you can be too frightened to allow that byproduct to take its shape. But I think all these different informal community networks that men used to have, like the Working Men's Club, the um, different hobbies, going to the football all these sorts of other things that men did together, uh, even working together, like, you know, have all gone, yeah. right? And now we go, oh, I wonder why that's happened. Well, that's because, you know, this is why it's happened. The only place I can think of where men come together to help other men, right, is Who Let the Dads Out. Right, okay. Because Who Let the Dads Out, which is a toddler group for blokes with their kids, is a way for blokes to come together have a laugh together, have a bit of fun, the kids play and all that. But actually, it's in those sorts of environments that these things, that, the you know, people actually can come to terms with things and help each other. Yeah. But nobody ever talks about that because if you said, I wanted to set up, like I've had comments about this podcast, you say, oh, those vicar blokes. Oh, that's, you can't have that. You need, you know, you can't have that because it's just two blokes. Yeah. And I think this it's all part of the same thing. And Lawrence Fox is what he's actually done with this. So I'm quite annoyed about this actually, because I always thought he was a bit of a prat, but I think this is really bad is what he's done with this. He's actually put men's mental health and men's issues back all, you know, way back yeah. because nobody's talking about it. Everyone's talking that he's a bit of a prat yeah. and saying horrible things and none of these issues get addressed. I don't think I think you're better off having who let the dads out 
in every church in Britain once a month would do far more good than a minister for men. Yeah. Well, well of course, we, we have, have our men's group, group that's restarting as well. Yeah. In the globe. You know. Yeah. So that, that, that'll be good. That's that'll the answer. Opportunity. But, you know. You know, we can't all the time. It's We have a problem in society. How can the government solve it? Well, well, they probably can't. No. But we, as human beings, coming together, probably could do some good to help each other. Locally. Yeah. yeah. And um, it makes me think about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Yeah. Where he says the way to overcome all evil is through friendship. Yeah. And because people don't have as many friends now, that's probably 90% of it. But you can't, well, we can have a friends club started by a minister or what? Yeah. You know what I mean? What? I don't know. <laughs> you know? You're talking, you're talking to, a, to a minister who sets his diary around where cake and coffee are going to be available. So, no, a government you know. minister, not you. No, no, no I, mean, I mean a religious minister. So maybe that's what we need out more of our government ministers is some encouragement into... Um, cake and coffee. Cake and coffee. Yeah. The cure is all evil. It does. So next uh, we'll be talking about... Um, Makes you fat, now. It does. That, yeah, that, you need to go down the gym. Um, but next we're talking about the restoration of Israel uh, and the books of Nehemiah as we basically come to the end of the Old Testament part of Dave Coach's bus trip through the Bible. So thanks for uh, listening to those Vicar Blokes. Don't forget to subscribe to us on uh, whatever platform you're listening to us on, on Substack, Google, Google's Spotify. Going. Is it? Google Podcasts ending, yeah. Is I it? Had a notification this week. Really? Yeah, it's going to um, something on YouTube. Oh, right, so okay. So they'll be able to get us on YouTube Podcasts, not Oh, right. Podcast. All right. Okay. It's so all the same mob anyway. I'll have, yeah. I'll have to make sure that I'll make sure we, we're on that. Uh, and don't forget to share it around as well. Like, so there's a share button on most of them. Just send it round to your mates. Tell them what you think and comment and all in it. Did I tell you that I sent it to Tracy at the lamb when I advertised the lamb? No. No. Well, I sent it directly as a direct WhatsApp to Tracy at the Lamb, and she messaged me back this week to say that she'd listened to it and she thought it was really funny. Yeah. And thanks very much. So oh, that right. Was nice, isn't it? So, but we she didn't offer me a free meal though. Well, there we are. So we're still looking for sponsorship, but Dave's looking for meals, basically food-based sponsorship. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So if you're a local person who wants us to to uh, sponsor you sponsor you on the podcast, Dave will just have a free meal. I think. Yeah, yeah we're yeah. pretty cheap, aren't we? Yeah. Dave Coach's Bible Bus Trip. So, and as we come to the end of the Old Testament, we've got a couple of other little books to look at, but this is kind of the end of the Old Testament story. Uh, part historically we're going to go back and have a look at a couple of questions around the old testament like why are all the bloodthirsty bits in and things like that um but just to have a recap from last time 
is the Jews escaped um, slavery in Egypt, went into the promised land, and they said, you can have the land as long as you keep the law. They didn't keep the law for hundreds of years. They got taken into exile by the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. And then they lived in Babylon for about 70-odd years. And then Belshazzar, who was Nebuchadnezzar's son... Who had a feast. Who had a feast, Belshazzar's feast. Yeah. Yeah. The writing's on the wall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a cool Iron Maiden song. It was good. I liked it. You liked it, yeah. Mrs. didn't like it. I liked it. Didn't she? Oh, it's excellent. Right, yeah? She didn't like heavier music, you know. All right. Okay, so... Basically, he has a big feast. The writing's on the wall saying you're going to die and your empire's at the end. Cyrus the Persian comes in, destroys Babylon, and then sends the Israelite people back to Israel and they rebuild Jerusalem and the temple and the walls of Jerusalem. So these books are... There's only a few of them, aren't there, Dave? Yeah, and they're not very thick either, are they? No. They're not weighty. Although, back half of Isaiah is quite weighty. Yes, Isaiah 61 to the end, basically, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So you've got end of Isaiah. What are the other ones? Um, Ezra, Nehemiah. That's about it, really. Yeah. Yeah. Without flicking through the thin pages <laughs> to make sure I haven't missed one. <laughs> yeah. So in, in Nehemiah, Nehemiah is all about... Um, rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem and basically securing Jerusalem uh, because it was being raided by all the people around them because there was no walls around so they couldn't have it as a safe city. No, so they've they've got no protection. But there's but there's an illusion in the book, isn't there, that um that actually that's what is gonna keep them safe from it happening again. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so this this false idea that that safety comes from walls and not from following the law. Yeah. Because they still don't manage that, do they? Well, that's the that's the kick in the teeth, really, yeah. So they, they have this idea that if they build the walls of Jerusalem uh, and fight off all these uh, invaders and raiding parties and things, that then they can build the perfect society within Jerusalem and everything will be fine because they'll definitely keep the law this time even though they didn't keep the law last time or the time before, the time before that, or the time before that, yeah. or the time before that. So, But they're definitely going to get it right this time. Definitely going to get it right this time, yeah. And that's really the similar story of Ezra, where it's about the the temple, where the temple's being rebuilt, and Ezra's trying to rebuild the temple, and it's the same idea there. If we rebuild the temple, everything will be fine, and we can have heaven on earth because we'll definitely not make the same mistakes as we made last time is it about having heaven on earth or is it about keeping god contained to god's place oh that's an interesting thought well it just strikes me that that's that's what what some of what the temple um mindset is all right is that you know we we have the bit where where we still we still do it, don't we? We still have these bits where certain people are allowed and certain people aren't allowed, and where it's restricted, and where we, you know, where we and we we want to put God in His little box, right? And then the law, the the walls of Jerusalem are like that, because it's the holy city. So yeah, wanna... absolutely. So you know, we got everything in its right place, and we're lining it up, but it, we're we're lining up things that are um, physical. 
mm. um, and and placing our priority on getting them in the right place and not actually getting ourselves. Um, so we make the temple an idol. The temple itself becomes an idol. Yeah. Because you're worshipping the physical building rather yeah. than the God that it points to. Yeah. And, of course, there are no churches like that now. <laughs> well, I think it's a human mistake, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. It's a human mistake where we try to contain God on a Sunday morning or in morning and evening prayer or in a certain box in our lives. Yeah. And not actually allowing it to... Allowing things like Sunday morning or church, the building, or morning and evening prayer to enliven the rest of our life. Yeah, it's where we put God instead of being something that points to God. Oh, I like that. So it's yeah. the the so church or the temple is somewhere to put God rather than something that actually points yeah. to God, points beyond it. Yeah. Hey, that's a good Dave quote. That, yeah, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, good, I was yeah. pleased with that one. Yeah. Do you just think of that now? Yeah, just, yeah, just, just. Just now. Yeah. See, he hasn't prepared that or anything. He's inspired. That's quite good. So, yeah, so the idea would be, uh, the idea was that we could, if we were able to reconstruct um, the temple and the walls, we could go back to the good old days where everything was fine. It's funny, though, isn't it? Because those good old days in Scripture... <laughs> They're pretty hard to find, aren't they? I, you can't, can you? No. No. But it's always been pretty awful. Y yeah. They've all, the, the, the Jewish people and Christian people have always made the same mistakes. People have always made the same mistakes. But Yeah. But that's why you don't watch the news, right? Yeah. Because people keep making the same mistakes. Yeah, there's nothing new in the news. No. And so basically that's what we get a little bit, isn't it? It's, it's news. Yeah. This is what's happening, and this was what went wrong. Yeah, you and it, it's the same uh, hyper-true story of the same mistakes people make over and over and over yeah. again. And I think, in a sense, what Nehemiah and, and, and Ezra show us is that, and maybe we'll come to this when we talk about the New Testament, it's a big theme in the New Testament, is this idea that we're kind of trapped. We're trapped in what Paul calls the thorn in the flesh, We've all yeah. got a weakness that kind of ensnares us and we can never really be fully free of that weakness or that temptation as individuals, as a church, as a society. We're always going to kind of fall. We're always going to mess up. So there is no golden age. There is, there is no golden time where things were wonderful. You know, like, there is no that nostalgia, in a sense, is bad because it's all about looking backwards to the Garden of Eden. You've been reading my um, my minister's message in in the local free sheet, haven't you? No, I haven't. No, oh. is that what you said there? That was essentially what I said. Yeah, that there's no good that, old days. I was having a conversation where um, it was nostalgically looking back at the sixties as this golden age. Um, and my take on it is the point that that's where it really starts to go wrong for our generation. Yeah. Yeah. I even quote you in it. Do you? Yeah. Oh, right. I, well, I, I advertise us in the local free sheet as my colleague who I present those vicar blokes with 
says that you can't be safe and free at the same time. You can't, no. Uh, no, exactly. So I quoted you on it because you've said it many times. Yeah, that's my... That's my... That was true. They wanted to be free and it made us all less safe. And I think that's what, you know, that, we do that, don't we? We look back at things that have been and think it was great. Yeah, and what we do, and this will come up actually in the the next bit where we talk about the marvellous Mrs... Maisel. Maisel, right, is what we tend to do is we... Uh, look back at a time in the past, just like they were doing in Ezra and Nehemiah, saying we need to rebuild the temple, rebuild this, make it just like it was, and everything will be fine. And that doesn't work. Um, because sometimes people look back to the 50s, don't they? And they say, oh, it was great then. Because well, it depends it's before who you're the... talking to. That's it, the thing. Exactly, yeah. Like, if you're talking to me, you say, oh, what we need to do is make it 1996 again. Because I was like with music and... from 1992. No, some good music in 1996. Ah, yeah, but it was better in 92. Was but it? see, that's the thing. That's the yeah. nostalgia, isn't it? That's... Yeah, exactly. It's it's an empty thing, isn't it? Like 1992, we don't get SL2s on a ragged tip. Oh, that's rubbish. It's not. Absolute rubbish. Right, anyway, so other than Dave's bad 90s taste in music, right? <laughs> um, but that's the thing. We all look back to that time and that... And what Isaiah says in Isaiah 61, there's this wonderful poem in that. Um, I'll just look it up in a minute. Um, what he talks about there is how things aren't what we think they were and how we can't go back to those things that, that we we thought we had, like, in it? He's yeah. looked it up now. I have, yeah, there we go. It says... You'll be pleased to know that he found the right bit in the Bible really quickly. It's like he knows the... He knows the order quite well. Yeah. yeah. Well, it is my job. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the Spirit, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to bring freedom to the captives, and release the darkness of the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And then it goes on, all about these sorts of things, a garland instead of ashes, to rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ru- ruined cities and be that have been long devastated for generations. So he's talking basically there about rebuilding all the stuff that's been destroyed and then everything will be okay. Yeah. But as you go through Isaiah, you realise that that never happened because they messed it up again. Yeah. You can't... You, they, well, no, but they, they repeated what they'd done before. Yeah. And then they repeated what they'd done before. And that song, if you notice, if you, 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 you might see with that song from Isaiah, is actually a repeat of other songs in Isaiah from previous chapters yeah. where the same things were said. And I think, really, one of the greatest mistakes, we think, is to believe that our generation is different to everybody else's and the human beings are different now than they've ever been before. And we can either go back to an imagined past or, worse still, create heaven on earth because the same mistake they made in Jerusalem uh, in rebuilding Zion is what they did in America when all the pilgrims went over there and tried to build heaven on earth that way. What a fail. Or secularly, uh, secularly. Um, the 20th century is a story of idiots who think that they can build heaven on earth and kill everybody. But if heaven is perfection, yeah, and we're all made perfect in heaven, yeah, then 
is there anything wrong with making earth more like heaven like striving to be perfected here before we're perfected there that's a marxist that's a marxist critique of christianity that is well, it, it, you're being a marxist on the sleigh watching too much too much lefty stuff on tv well i think we run into the risk of becoming sikhism all right you'll say because a bit more about where, that then. where actually they believe that you have multiple reincarnations until you reach perfection yeah and once you reach perfection then then you you attain the eternal kingdom. You've done it, like yeah. Hinduism's the same, and Buddhism as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think as I was saying about Marxism, I think there's a, there's two temptations here. But maybe we should apologise for any misrepresentation we've given of anybody else's faith. No, no, um, no, no I, I don't think, think we have. That's, that's my my that's... GCSE. Well, what did you get in your GCSE RS? We're not talking about that. Uh, I had a laugh this week actually. Let's not get but distracted by that. I had a, yeah, I had a laugh this week. I looked through my my daughter's doing GCSE RS, and I, I looked through some of her, bo- her workbook, and it was hilarious. Um, it was anyway. That's a different story. But yeah, so the problem is basically we've got two temptations here. We've got on one hand the temptation of like the communists and the Marxists to build, uh, and the fascists to build heaven on earth, yeah. and we can't do that because it it denies human nature. But what the Marxists would say, and they're right with this, sometimes is to say that the other temptation is to kind of do nothing and wait to go to heaven. Yeah. And what Jesus says and what Christianity says and Judaism and Islam as well is what we've got to do is strive in this world to bring a little bit of heaven on earth and to make this world better, but always realizing that we are flawed and that being on our guard to not end up making things worse. Yeah, and I don't want to jump straight into the New Testament or anything because we want to build up the bus journey before we get in there. But um, this element that that Jesus became incarnate on earth from heaven and gave us the the example of how we should live this life um, is important. Yeah, and, and and the Holy Spirit come in at Pentecost into each of us, empowers us then to build heaven on earth. But what we have to do well, that's is... About, that's not about Well, that's building. what it goes back to that, though, doesn't it? Is building heaven on earth. If you haven't got the right values and, and you don't keep the law, then you, you it, it all falls apart. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what buildings you build. No. It's the values that you need to get right. Yeah, the the buildings help because they help point towards the values and the goodness. But the anything can be an idol, can't it? Yeah. Anything. It, it's a bit like uh, a nostalgia is, is one of the main dangers, I think, in the church. Um, because here we are, as I think about Our Lady of Walsingham, right? Have you ever been to Our Lady of Walsingham? No. You need to go to Our Lady. Everybody yeah, yeah. needs to go to her. It's a shrine over in in uh, North. It's, it's right? Anglo Catholic Hodge, isn't it? Really, it is a bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a pilgrimage site in uh, in uh, Norfolk, right? Our Lady Walsingham, and it's a really holy place, right? It, it's a place of you. You know when you've been there, when you go there, that you can sense the immense amount of prayer that was said there in the yeah. medieval times, and it's a thin place. Yeah, it's a place with a barrier between. I've got there. one. Have you? Yeah. Where's that? Iona. 
Yeah. I kissed the altar at Iona and I cried like a baby. Lefty, lefty yeah, place. Well. Yeah, you know. But yeah. But uh, by no exactly same what thing, you're talking about. Yeah, I've not been thing. there, but it's that same sense. Same of, sense of. So what we do, in a sense, is, is it happens a lot with us, uh, is we experience something of God in these places, or or sometimes if you go away somewhere to do it, like on retreat. And what we try and do then is is recreate that uh, in our everyday lives as a form of nostalgia. In the same way people look back to the good old days of the 1950s or the 1960s or the 1990s, because that was a happy time. So it's almost like escaping where we are and looking back to the past. Yeah. And God isn't interested in the past. He's interested in our future destination of heaven. Yeah. And when we try and recreate these nostalgic dreams, be them spiritual or like pop culture, yeah, it all goes horribly wrong, doesn't it? Yeah, you yeah, know, you know, because we 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 can't do it. So that's the story of Nehemiah and uh, Ezra and all the rest of it. They come back after exile, and it was better, but it wasn't perfect, and. That was it. Yeah. And then we look forward to next time we'll be talking about um, taking a break from uh, the historical stuff and we'll be talking about all the blood and guts and gore in... Uh, Great. Yeah. All, all the bits that I really like. Yeah, in Joshua. Um, yeah. I, I, so I shall be reading um, Helen Painter's book. It's on my shelf. There's a I must read this, but I haven't read it yet. Um, all right, yeah. Yeah. Um, What's that about? And it's about a God of violence in the Old Testament and a God of love in the New Testament. And she critiques that view because that's the one that's well held, isn't it? Yeah, that's the one everybody holds, yeah, yeah. which is which is really false. Yeah. Yeah. So I need to read her book and make sure that's what she's really saying. Okay, right. All right, so that's next time on the, on the Bible Bus Trip. In a minute, we'll be talking about... Um, the Marvellous Mrs. What? Maisel. Marvellous Mrs. Maisel, which was a recommendation uh, for us to watch. And it was dead good. Yeah, I liked it. Thank you very much for listening to those Vicar Blokes. Don't forget to tell your friends how good we are. Or tell them that we're not, but tell them that they should listen just to find out. More nice we comments. Mind. We've yeah, had some we... nice comments. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't checked the Substack comments this week, actually. And I it was a nice comment. Nice was comment there? in there, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's have a look. You can get the latest news on Substack, see the comments all on there. That's as good a place as any. Um, but we are all over the place if they work better where you need to listen. And we should mention the other podcasts that go out from Yate and Froomside. We've got Homilia, which is Ben's um, hum- homilies. That's it. Sermons. And we've got um, the Connection the, Podcast. The connection. Podcast. I was going to go Connected, and I knew that went right. No, the no, connection. the Connection Podcast um, from Yate and Froomside to keep you up to date with all of the news about what's going on where we are. Well, so we've watched the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and because um, 
I'm more keen on doing my own work than you are. Well, I mean, to be fair, you swat up on the Bible bits a bit more than I do, but I do... Um, you do the TV I watching. I do do the TV watching for the pair of us. And I swat up on the Bible yeah. bits. So I'm on episode six of the first series of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I've done two. And you've done two. But it is really good. Yeah, it is really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but you've got to fit in watching all your cartoons as well, haven't you? So. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yes, that's what it is. Um, well, yeah. So it's about a woman who's got the perfect life. That's it. She's got a great husband. who has got a great job. Um, she lives in a really posh apartment that happens to be a floor or two above her parents. So she's got babysitters whenever she wants them, really close. Um, posh apartment with a, a lift operator and everything. Um, oh, when's it's it nice, set? When's it, it set? It's, uh, 50s. No, it's set in the 50s. 50, Late 50s. Late 50s, when the beatniks were around, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. And her husband, even though he's got a good job, is um, an aspiring comedian. Um, But he's basically rubbish at it. He's not funny, is he? He's nicked somebody else's act (laughs) and doesn't even deliver it very well. So he's dreadful. Um, But she's fully supportive of him in, in this. Up until the point... I think, where she calls him into the room to say that some famous comedian's doing his act on the telly yeah. and he's nicked it off him. He's like, no, he didn't uh, He didn't nick it off me. I nicked it off him. That's it. And you think, oh. But then it all falls apart because this man's having an affair with his secretary. Um, have you reached the point where where they don't actually own the apartment yet? No, oh, no. Right. No, so I know it's, it's all about... Uh, uh, it's all a it's all a big obviously a big mountain of sand, isn't it? It's all based yeah, on sand. Yeah, yeah. It all it's, so it all starts falling apart, um, and everything falls apart. But she ends up um, getting drunk and then go into the comedy club that this guy performs at, um, and she's hilarious. She's really funny. She's isn't she? really really funny. She ends up getting arrested though because um, <laughs> she exposes she does show them all her breasts. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's really funny. It, isn't it? is funny. Um, and then it shows what in in the opposite of what what we talked about in the last part, really, because it shows her rebuilding her life over the next episodes. Yeah. Um. And and working out who she is apart from being the wife of this man. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and it's about her building her future, um, the way that that she thinks it it should be. Um, but it does always have this backstory of her trying to then be a comedian or then That's not it. be a comedian. And the points where she's trying least hard, she's the most funny. Yeah, that is um, funny, yeah. But it's uh, it's it's good. I've really enjoyed it. The thing that struck me with it was, uh, just to give people an impression of it, is that she goes to bed with her makeup on and her hair done and waits for her husband to go to sleep, then gets up puts on all this face cream and what have you and all that and all these yeah, potions and that. that, yeah, and then goes back to bed, wakes up before husband. She leaves the, the window open, The, the blind open just a little bit. So when the sun comes up, it wakes her up, but the blind's not open enough for it to reach her husband's side of the bed. That's it. And so then she goes, puts all her makeup on again, does her hair, and pretends to be asleep when the alarm goes off five it. minutes later. Yeah. That was good. Because... Because she didn't want to show her husband that she was less than perfect all the time. It was so fake, wasn't it? Yeah. Everything about it was fake. Is her whole life was fake. It was all about impressions. Uh, 
impressions that she gave to the people around her. It was so middle class yeah. in that sort of sense. And I don't know it? if you've reached the point by episode two where um, it's revealed that even the good job that her husband has yeah. is working for his uncle, basically. And it's a, like in the family, you know, you're not qualified, you're rubbish at it, but you're going to be there. Yeah. Anyway. It's, it's all, it's all who know. In a funny way, it's, it's kind of like who you know, not what you know, isn't it? And he's basically a useless guy, but your husband, but um, he's kind of carried through by his family connections, isn't he? Basically. Yeah. yeah that's the whole point. And I, I love her mother. I do because it, um, she's brilliant. Whereas her mother just goes berserk when she says that, uh, her husband left and, and then starts pretending he's ill and all that. And, yeah. and her dad actually blames her and says, Oh, it's your fault that she, that he left and all this stuff. It's, it's yeah, awful. Well, it's well, awful. He, 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 he comes back with his tail between his legs. Um, and, and basically begs to, to be let back in, into the family home, as it were. And she declines. And the, and the dad's reaction at that point is fascinating because ah. he's like, Oh my gosh, what are you doing? Um, How do you do it? Like? But she goes and works in the department store and stuff like that. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. But what what really struck me really was um, it was what really struck me with the whole the way the whole program was made is it is a funny story and I really liked it and it's a fantasy really, yeah. isn't it? It's not, but because it's based in the past, people might think that it, it's bears some kind of relation to what reality is or reality was. And I think it's a bit like um, Sex in the City. Do you remember Sex in the City? Yeah. Well, we used to have a joke in our house where we used to say is, I want to live in Sex in the City, New York. I don't want to live in New York. No. Because it's dirty, it's smelly, there's loads of people around, it's it's a nightmare and all that sort of thing. It's a really, you know, not the type yeah. of place. But in Sex in the City, New York... Every all the pavements are clean. There's nobody bumping into you. It's really nice. Yeah, and yeah. All of well, that. It's, it's Lily Allen, isn't it? Yeah, that yeah. Track that she did. Um, LDN. It was called. Wasn't That's it. it London. Yeah. Whereas, if you listen to it without watching the video, she's painting this perfect picture of London. Yeah. And how great it is. But then when you watch the video, you can see that it's it's dreadful. Yeah. And, and I, I know that's the extremes that are there, but she's that's what she's trying to get across in that yeah and i think it, it was really clever the way they did this uh because they they project this uh extremely massaged image of what the 1950s was uh which is completely fake and in, within it you have these people who are faking themselves so everything's yeah. extreme isn't it Do yeah. you know what i mean which makes it funny because yeah. it, it wouldn't be funny if it wasn't extreme no that's very but, true but um in the in the same way sex in the city is totally fake um because it's it, it bears no relation to anyone's lives but i think sometimes a bit like friends was like i, I hated friends with a, a bit, do you like friends but you like friends um but you like Jennifer oh. Aniston. You must have uh, liked Jennifer Aniston. Everybody liked Jennifer. You well, didn't like Jennifer Aniston. Uh, well, I'm not going to say no because that would be a lie. But it's not about <laughs> that, is it? We don't. We don't want to become Lawrence Fox here, do we? No, 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 no. You like to see but, like people know, on TV. She's a good-looking woman. Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, but Friends was the same, wasn't it? That that's the same sort of thing where they lived in New York. Jennifer Aniston was like a, a waitress, and she somehow afforded to live in this nice flat. And 
you know, you've missed part of that story. What? You do know that it's Monica's grandmother's flat. I didn't pay that much attention. All oh, right, so Monica's grandmother did still watch the, Friends. Still yeah. the licensee on the flat. Such so, a norm. So that's why, and, and it's a... It's a index-linked rent, so basically oh. she still lives there, even though I think she's dead. Oh, um, okay. Well, there we are. Updates on normie programmes from Dave. Yeah, there we go. yeah. So well, I did, It was funny back in the day. Yeah. But, I mean, I watched it the other day, actually. An episode came on, and I, I thought, why did people used to watch this? And then I thought, <laughs> hang on a minute, it's still on every day. Why do people still watch it's this? nostalgia. Yeah, it's maybe. nostalgia. But I think I think that's the thing that worried me about this program, really. And it's well, not worried me, but that sort of is that if a bit like Brave Art, you know, Brave Art with Mel Gibson and that isn't yeah. history, but somehow it becomes history by how it makes people feel about Scotland. And I think it's the same thing with the fifties. Sometimes is that people either have a nostalgia for the fifties. Or they see it as like the most evil time ever, or the fakest time ever. When I think that same fakery that you have in the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, it is around alive oh, and well yeah. today, isn't it? It's an abundance of it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, you can't tell me that you can't say, "Oh, the fifties was all fake," and then you got the Kardashians. Yeah. You know, and and those things about, um, you know. The people get jobs because they know the right people in the right families. Mm. Well, you just have to look at the British media for that. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're all literally related to each other, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, some of them might be talented, I don't know, but, you know, it's the same sort of thing. So, Well, talent doesn't count for anything in that, does it? Well, yeah. Um, yeah, you know. it's just who, who wants the job. But I would recommend it because it is really, really, really funny. Um and I, I, I really enjoyed it. But yeah. I think when you watch it, I did think that, you know. I don't, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to know at what point it outstays itself. Because there's like five or six seasons of this, aren't there? Is it? Yeah. Oh, right. And I'm, I'm a good way through season one, but thinking, how, how long can the legs last on this? Oh. Um, but lots of programs are like that. Yeah. I mean, I started watching Six Feet Under years ago oh, and, yeah. and got fed up at about two series in and yeah. I watched Shameless until about series three and then they get more and more ridiculous. And I, Yeah, Six Feet know, Under was good for the first couple of seasons. Yeah. yeah, and then it just went, what? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, a lot of things like that. Not like Breaking Bad, that's good all the way through. Yeah, and absolutely. Then, you know. So um, next week, we'll be talking about the news. We'll be talking about um, blood and guts in Joshua. And also as well, on the TV, have you got any choices well, for the TV? I think we're going to watch The Long Shadows, aren't we? Oh, yeah, The Long Shadows. Yeah, we're watching that, uh, The Long Shadow. It's about um, uh, Peter Suck. Well, it's not actually. It's not about Peter Sutcliffe. It's about his vic- the victims of the Yorkshire yeah. Ripper. I think so we should really say, good, though, yeah. that if you're going to find that challenging, then feel free not to watch it. Yeah. Um, we'll try to talk about it sensitively, but um, if we think there are going to be any triggers, we'll we'll warn you at the start of next week. Yeah. It, it, it's not an easy watch, but I think it's um, it, it's it's quite it's fascinating. You know, I used, I used to live up there, so it's quite interesting. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So we'll see you next time on those Vicar Books.